Thanks for listening to the Refuel Podcast. Be sure to tune in every Thursday for a new episode. So we're starting out with a new series, and um, before we get into the series, I thought we'd talk about, we're going to be talking about habits, um, some of the habits of Mary in the Christmas story, because there's a lot we can learn from some of the habits that she had, but I thought we could talk about some of our Christmas habits and traditions. Um, everybody got to go see Christmas lights. Uh, we always go to like, you know, when we were growing up, we'd always go to the real bougie neighborhoods, you know, and, 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 and instead of us buying Christmas lights, we just look at the lights they put up. Um, how many of y'all go to like Galapolis or somewhere, you see the like the legit lights, right? So that's that's one of the traditions. I mean, others making Christmas cookies. How many of y'all like like all the Christmas cookies? Gingerbread men are some of my faves. So if any of y'all want to bring me a big like plate of gingerbread men, um, that's fine. What you should do is you should make some gingerbread men that look like all the different refuel leaders. That would be interesting. Um, Taking awkward family pictures. Um, you, 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 some of y'all may have awkward family pictures, but I don't know that you have one this awkward. Um, you know, I was trying to talk April into doing that for our picture, for our family picture, but she said absolutely not. Uh, but you know, mom's always like trying to get you to pose for a picture, and you have to pretend like you're happy, right? So instead of like a, a real smile, you're like. You know, so there's that. Um, matching family PJs. Have you ever noticed in all these pictures of matching family PJs, the dad looks just, he, he, lo- he looks like a dog that's just got home from being neutered at the vet. Like, like, he's just, like he's just not having it, but he has to smile, you know, to get brownie points with his wife. Um, and then Christmas movies, like they're the, you know, oh my goodness. Like how many of there's like one Christmas movie that you have to see? Say it right now. Say it right now. I feel, I feel like I heard a million elves. So elf seems to be the winner. Who said that? Was that Tucker Christmas Vacation? Exactly. So then, um, and then, you know, finally, strange Christmas foods that clog your arteries and colons. Uh, you know, like, like only at Christmas would there be such a thing as a cheese ball. I mean, just think of those two, two words that should never go together, but they work at Christmas. So we have these like habits and traditions that are part of Christmas uh, that, that we all observe. But in this series, we're calling it Slaying It. I've been trying to make stickers for every series, but I, I felt like nobody would want a sticker like this. But now everybody's telling me we need to get the stickers. So I'll see if we can get the stickers. Um, but we're doing this series called Slaying It. And if you go, if you look through the life of Mary, we're going to be in, in Luke if you want to go ahead and turn there. If you look in, in, in the life of Mary, in the book of Luke, in the Christmas story, what you realize is, first off, there's only one true hero of the story, right? And it's Jesus. Uh, but you look at how God used Mary. What you realize is that Mary had some habits, some things that she is doing even before she carried the Messiah that I, believe, that I believe was one of the reasons God chose to use her in that special way. She had some incredible habits that we would do really well to learn from. So we're going to be learning four different habits of Mary over the next four weeks uh, leading up to Christmas. And tonight we're going to look at Mary has had this habit of surrender. Usually when we think of surrender, we think of like France or something, you know, people that just lose, right? Like, like we, th- yeah, we, we, think of, we think of people putting their hands up, waving a, right flag, waving a white flag. We think of getting beat so bad in a football game you have to forfeit. We think of like people that lose college football games like Ohio State. Um, you know, we... we Sorry, was that, was that mean? Um, we, 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 think of, we, we, we don't think about surrender as a good thing. But when it comes to us surrendering our life to God, it's a very good thing. 
And we're gonna see that that is exactly what Mary did. And I always try to give you the, 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 the lesson at the beginning <laughs> so that you can be thinking about it all the way through. And I'm, I'm gonna be asking you this question at the end of our time in God's word so you can start thinking about it. You can start marinating on this question. The question is this, have I surrendered my life to God? Have I surrendered my life to God? So if you have your Bible, open up to Luke chapter one and we're gonna read this together and we're gonna kind of read a little section, talk about it, read a little section, talk about it, and then we're gonna observe how Mary surrendered. So let's read Luke chapter one. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. So we need to stop right here. And we need, to, we need to look at something. Look at all these details. It's the sixth month. We got a name of an angel. We have a city named Nazareth that was in the town of Galilee. So it was like Nazareth that was in Galilee. Look at all these details. Why, why, why all the details? Well, because the book of Luke was written by, anybody want to guess? pretty obvious. It was written by Luke. Does anybody know anything about Luke? Man, y'all are slaying it. He was a doctor. He was someone, do you want a doctor who kind of just spitballs and who's like, oh, ballpark, or do you want like a doctor who's very precise? Easy question. You want a doctor who's detailed. You kind of want a doctor who's a nerd when it comes to details, don't you? Like, yeah, right? Luke was a doctor. He was a nerd when it came to details. He wrote two books of the Bible. He wrote Luke, which is an eyewitness account of the life of Jesus. Anybody know what other book he wrote? He wrote the book of Acts. And if you read the beginning of Luke, and if you read the beginning of Acts, what you'll see is Luke's nerd, nerdity, if that's a word. You'll see Luke's nerdness coming out because he talks about his detail. He wrote in, in the beginning of chapter one, you can look at it if you want. He said, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word delivered them to us, it seemed me good also having, here's the nerd part, following all things closely from time past to write an orderly account to you, oh most excellent Theophilus, that was the person he was writing to, that you may have certainty concerning the things that you're taught. He's writing and he's giving details. He wants people to understand Jesus was a real person. Jesus existed in history. He still exists today. But Jesus is a historical person. That's why you see that he was born on this particular day or in this particular month uh, that, that Jesus was, was, was put in Mary's tummy and that there, there was this particular angel and that she was living in this particular city in this particular area of, of Palestine, of Israel. So do you see like, like, like the detail? It was written by Luke and this was going on. So this is the sixth month. An angel, Gabriel, appears to who? To, let's change our color here. We should do pink since she's a girl, right? To a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph. And the virgin's name was Mary. So now we learn some things about Mary, don't we? What do we learn? That she is a virgin. I didn't think about, like, that was one of the tag questions that I, I know a lot of people don't get to the tag questions, but I did hear that the middle school boys got to that question. Um, and, and, and we'll talk about that here in a minute, but here's what we know about Mary. She wasn't married. She hadn't slept with a man. But we know something else. She was betrothed. What in the world is that? It's kind of like engaged. So Christians, right, it's kind of like engaged, but it's a little more than engaged. 
in the Jewish culture in the first century, it's a little different. You know, now, like, you, you, you can swipe left, swipe right, you find your person, and you're good to go. It's not quite that easy, by the way. But now you get to choose who you want to spend the rest of your life with. Back then, families would get together when kids were sometimes even infants or toddlers or children. So the family of this boy would come and meet the family of this girl. There would be some livestock exchange. There would be a handshake. And this girl would be pledged to marry this guy when they got old enough to be married. So many people in that society, they didn't get to pick who they married. Like, strange, isn't it? But she was pledged to be married to Joseph, so it meant that there was a legal arrangement. They were legally married, but they hadn't come together yet and started living together and started doing what married people do when they live together. You following me? So that's the situation Mary's in. Most people believe she was probably between the ages of 12 and 18. How many of y'all between the ages of 12 and 18? So you could, yeah, in some ways, like, she was your age, right? So you have this teenager who's becoming an adult. She's engaged to be married to this man named Joseph. And an angel appears to her. Okay? What's the big deal? You know me and angels, right? What do we know about angels? Come on, help me. Some of you have been around for a long time. You should know this. They look scary. They, they look scary. Sometimes maybe creepy. They're not the little Cupid bare butt angel with halos that shoot arrows at people. And if you see an angel, you think, oh, that's a cute angel. If an angel appears before you at night or anywhere, your first reaction is probably not going to be, oh, what a beautiful angel. It's probably going to be like, oh, I'm in trouble. Because this thing has like a million eyes and it's bright light and it's a fearsome warrior of God. You know, so what somebody... I need to get back on top of You know what somebody needs to do? Make a biblically accurate angel food cake that's covered in eyes. So you've already gotten a sign. Gingerbread cookies that look like refuel eaters. Biblically accurate angel food cake. Let's move on. So how do you think, uh, so, so what does this angel say to Mary? He says, greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. What do we see about Mary? She was greatly troubled. You think? An angel appears to you and says, greetings, Christian. You are greatly favored and you can barely see the angel because the light is so bright. Christian's freaking out. I'm freaking out. Everybody's freaking out. Mary's a little scared. She was greatly troubled at the saying. And she's trying to figure out, what does this angel mean? What, why did God, why is an angel appearing before me? I'm like a teenage girl in Nowheresville, Galilee. So then the angel starts talking to her. Let's change our color up. He says, don't be afraid, Mary. Why would he say that? Because she was scared. You found favor with God. And he tells her some things. He, he tells her why he came. He said, here's, here's, here's some things that he tells her. He said, you will conceive in your womb. That means you're going to get preggers. And you will bear a son. You're going to call this son's name Jesus. Anybody know what the name Jesus means? Savior. It means Savior. It means the Lord saves. It's Yeshua. It's a derivative of Joshua. The Lord saves. So here's the first thing. Number one, preggers. Number two, this is going to be a baby that brings salvation. And three, he will be great, called the Son of the Most High. He will sit on the throne of his father David, reign over the house of Jacob, and there will be no end to his kingdom. That's the third thing. That's the third big thing, is that this baby that she was going to give birth to was going to be the Messiah, 
the one they had been waiting over 400 years for, that everybody heard about, and everybody, she remembered her parents and her grandparents saying, one day the Messiah is going to come, he's going to save us, he's going to sit on David's throne, and this angel is telling her, hey, you're going to be the one that gives birth to this Messiah. Big deal, but there's a problem. Anybody know what the problem is here? There's a problem. There's a problem. What's the problem? She says it. Gabe got it. Mary says to the angel, how can this be since I'm a virgin? She says, now listen. My parents sat me down and had this awkward conversation with me about where babies come from. And I thought I had it all figured out, but this is a whole different deal here. How is this going to happen? And Mary is asking a very practical question here, isn't she? How will this be? So the angel answers her and tells her how it will be. It says, the Holy Spirit will come on you. That's a, a, a term that is used in the Old Testament. When Samson got strong, you know what it says about Samson? The Holy Spirit came on him. When met the prophets in the Bible would speak for the Lord, you know what it would say? It says the Holy Spirit came upon that person. The Holy Spirit took control of that person. What he's saying here is the Holy Spirit is going to do a work in your life, Mary. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child will be holy. But why is that child going to be holy? Because every person that's ever lived, except Jesus, has sinned. We learn that we receive a sin nature. Every, every one of us has a sin nature and that it's transmitted from our fathers to us and then from us to our children. So say thanks, Dad, right? Gave me my sin nature. But Jesus is the only person to ever live who didn't have an earthly father. So Jesus was born human. He was God in a bod. 100% God, 100% human. But he was born without a sin nature. Why is that so important? Because only a human can die in the place of another human. Right? He was a substitute for us. And because he was a human, he could die in our place. But only God, Jesus was God in a bod. Only God could beat sin, death, and hell and be victorious over that. So we see here, he's going to be holy. He's going to be the son of God. And he says, you don't think God can do this? Let me tell you something. And Mary had this old cousin. Anybody else have a cousin that's way older than you? I've got a cousin who's 30 years older than I am. My family messed up, right? Yeah, how many of y'all have a, like a cousin that's like really old? Like how many years older? Anybody have like 20? Okay. Yeah, so Mary had this old cousin named Elizabeth, and she was married. She and her husband had tried and tried and tried and tried and tried to have kids, and now they're getting old and wrinkly, and there's no way they're going to be able to have kids. But, but this, this angel says, guess what? God worked just to show you that he can do miracles. God worked in the life of your cousin Elizabeth, and she and her husband Zachariah are going to have a baby. He did a miracle. And he's going to do a miracle in your life too that even though you're a virgin, you are going to be pregnant with the Son of God and he's going to be the Savior. He's going to be the Messiah. For nothing is impossible with God. He didn't just want her to know how she was going to get pregnant. He wanted her to trust in the power of God. And then here we go, Mary. 
Here's the big surrender statement. You ready? All this is explained to her, and what does she say? Mary says, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Here's the surrender. Let it be to me according to your word. That is surrender. So I want to talk to you for a few minutes about some things we learned from Mary's surrender. But before I do that, let's pray together. Um, God, thank you so much for this. It's a true story from the word of God. It's a true story from your word about how you did something special with this teenage girl from the middle of nowhere named Mary. So God, I pray that as we, as we look at some truths in this passage that we read, God, that you'll speak to our hearts and you'll remind us that you want to use us just like you used Mary. Lord, I pray that, that, that understanding that and knowing that will cause us to want to surrender our lives to you. In Jesus' name, amen. So I want to talk to you about five truths we learn about surrender from Mary. And we're going to try to go through these quickly. But the first one we learn, and I think it's one that you need to know because people forget to tell y'all, I think way too often, is that surrender's for teenagers. Mary was somewhere between 12 and 18. How old was Mary? We don't know for sure. But the question is, why didn't God choose somebody older that had maybe a little bit more wisdom and maybe a little bit more life experience? Why did God choose to use a teenager? And why does God still choose to use teenagers? I think there are several reasons, but I think one is there's a very practical reason here. It's something that you know. There are things you can do that old people can't do. Do you, did somebody say walk? Man, that was mean. Okay. But it's true, isn't it? There are some things, like, you're going to realize this one day. I mean, things are going to start falling and drooping and wrinkling and creaking. And there are things that you're not going to be able to do anymore as you get older. Why did God choose a teenager? Do you think, think about what Mary went through after this happened. First off, she got pregnant. I've heard that's mildly inconvenient. I don't know. Never been pregnant myself. Never planned to be. But I've heard it's mildly inconvenient. No, it's actually a big inconvenience, right? It takes a toll on your body. Not only was she pregnant, she had to travel all the way up from Nazareth in Galilee in the northern part of Israel all the way down to the southern part to Bethlehem for the census and give birth to Jesus in less than ideal conditions. Then what happened? She became, and her, she and Joseph and Jesus essentially became refugees because Herod said, kill all the kids. So they had to flee to Egypt. They had to make this trip all the way down to Egypt and they didn't have airplanes, they didn't have cars, they had camels. Not the cigarettes, camels, like animals. And they had to take... They, they had to make that trip all the way back to Egypt and then all the way back up to their hometown, Nazareth. Why did God choose a teenager? I think, very practically speaking, she could do things because she was young and because she had energy and because she was strong that some old woman couldn't do. And did you know that there are things that you can do as teenagers that adults can't do? First off, <laughs> yeah, that and, and other things. But do you, you think about, do you realize that your church needs you? Like, anytime there's something that we're trying to do as a church, you know the first question that's asked? You think we can get the teens on board with it? 
Why? Because y'all can do things that other people can't do. God wants to use, just like he wanted to use Mary because she was young, he wants to use you because you're young. It reminds me of what Solomon wrote in Ecclesiastes when he said, remember your creator in the days of your youth before you get old and you can't see things and you can't do things. You can serve Jesus in a special way right now just because of your age if you'll surrender your life to him like Mary did. So surrender's for teenagers. The next thing is surrender is often unnoticed and unspectacular. You know who nobody cared about in the first century? Nobody cared about people that didn't live in big cities and Mary didn't live in a big city. You know who nobody cared about in first century Middle Eastern? Nobody cared about kids and teenagers. They were considered to be a nuisance. You know, nobody seemed to care about women in that time period and in that area. Mary was likely so unnoticed that nobody saw what she was doing. You know, God, we learned that she found favor with God. How did she find favor with God? By living a righteous life. She wasn't perfect. I need to say that and we'll learn about this next week. Mary was not perfect. She was not sinless. You're gonna see later in this chapter that what did she call Jesus? My savior. Mary needed a savior. She was not perfect, but she was living a life that was righteous before God. She was faithfully following God, but nobody noticed except for God. And oftentimes when we surrender our life to, to God, people don't always notice. You know, there, were time, there are times in your life where you're gonna do the right thing and nobody, nobody celebrates it. Nobody takes a picture of it. It doesn't make it on Instagram. But surrendering to God is often unnoticed and unspectacular. The next thing we learn is surrender is often misunderstood. So Mary decides... She's going to surrender to God. She knows she's going to get pregnant. Back then, they didn't have the different tests that indicate when people are pregnant. How did they, how did people know when she's, when people are pregnant back then? That's when the belly starts getting bigger, right? Isn't it wild to think about like, like, having a human inside of you, it's just crazy to think about. I remember, you know, when April was pregnant and all this, you know, like this baby bump started and I was like, wow, there's like a real human in there. And it just kept getting bigger and big. I, mean, I don't know if I'm saying this right. But yeah, but it, I mean, Mary, Mary would start to show. And here's, here's what we learn in, in the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter, Matthew chapter one. It says that Mary was found to be with child. Who found her? her to be with child. Who was the one that discovered that Mary was pregnant? It was probably her family that she was living with. And all of a sudden, Mary started to show and she had this baby bump and her parents and her extended family were thinking, Mary was engaged to Joseph, but they haven't been married. They haven't been together. What did Mary do? Was she being immoral? And then Mary's like, God got me pregnant. And they're like, yeah, right. Like, like, like that's not gonna, that may work on somebody else, but that's not going to work on me. Right? And then Joseph finds out the one that he's engaged to and the one that he's married to is pregnant. And he obviously knows he's not the father. And what does it say Joseph did? It said he had a, his thought was that he was going to divorce her. That he was going to break it off. Now, an angel appeared to him 
and explained to him what was going on, and Joseph surrendered. But you think about the shame that was probably heaped on Mary in that little hometown of Nazareth. Some of y'all know what it's like. You go to school where there's a nursery, right? And you, find, you know when a classmate or somebody at school becomes pregnant. And I would imagine, if it's like it was at my school, everybody talks about it. And here you have Mary who is pregnant and has not been married to Joseph. And everybody's talking about it. And do you think she got tired of saying, well, it was God and nobody believing her? It's often misunderstood. You know, we've been through times before April and I where our surrender to God and our service here has been misunderstood by people. I had people that were, were, were questioning, oh, yeah, yeah, you had a bunch of teens over there on Wednesday night, but like, you can, get any, you can get a bunch of teens to come if you have a party. They didn't understand the fact that we were sharing the gospel and we were trying to build connections and disciple and we were being kind of mischaracterized and misunderstood. Sometimes when you say yes to God, it's gonna make a lot of people upset. And sometimes saying yes to God, making people upset is because they're not surrendered to God the way they should be. So the question is, are we gonna allow ourselves to be discouraged and allow ourselves to not serve God just because other people don't understand what we're doing? Surrender is often misunderstood. Next thing we learn is surrender often challenges our self-made plans. This, this is the hard one. This is the tough one. Think about Mary. She had her whole life planned out, didn't she, before this freakish, many-eyed angel appeared to her and she found out she was pregnant. She was engaged to a great, we learned Joseph was an, an awesome dude. I mean, he uh, 10 out of 10, you know? Like, like Joseph was a great dude. And she was engaged to him, and he, he was good at working with his hands. He was a carpenter. She had a life that she was planning to live. She was a small town girl. She was just a small town girl living in a lonely world. Don't sing it. Uh, <laughs> she had everything planned out. She was going to marry Joseph. They are going to have 2.5 kids in a white picket fence. He was going to work in the carpentry shop, and, and they were going to grow old together and have grandkids and great-grandkids. It was going to be great. But her plans weren't God's plans, were they? Her plans weren't God's plans. But what she ended up doing was trading up, didn't she? She got to be a part of something that was incredible. God's plans open up unlimited possibilities in our life. The angel said to her, nothing is impossible with God. There's some verses that I go back to a lot because I was in a situation when I was in college where God just wrecked my plans. I was in college, I was planning on becoming an attorney. So I was pre-law major, or political science major, graduated, I spent a year in Washington, D.C. working in a, for a congressman to kind of get my resume together. I applied to law school at UVA and was accepted. And all of a sudden, God said, those aren't my plans for you. The angel didn't appear before me, but, well, it was actually kind of an angel, but didn't have a bunch of eyes. It had two eyes. It was April, and she was the one who, she was the one who said, you love those teenagers way more than you love all this political junk. But I come back to these verses a lot. Proverbs 16.9 says, a man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. 
Proverbs 19, 21 says, many are the plans in the mind of a man, but it's the purpose of the Lord that will stand. Has God been wrecking your plans lately? Has God been working on your heart? And even though you've met with guidance counselors, and even though you, know, you, you think you're pretty good at this, and he, he's starting to lead your heart to serve him in a special way, and you're wrestling with that. I'd like to invite you to ask yourself these four questions that I, I had a very wise man in my life tell me to ask, my, ask myself these four questions. And these four questions have kind of defined my life. Maybe they will yours, I don't know. And he brought me back to that verse that said, with God, all things are possible. So he asked me to think, what might I try to do if I thought I might succeed? And what goals then would I set if I knew I could not fail? Then what price am I willing to pay? Mary's price was as she walked around pregnant and unmarried. What sacrifices am I willing to make? What plans am I willing to give up to embrace God's plans? So, surrender challenges our self-made plans. The final thing is surrender is a choice. Yeah, there, there are a lot of people that have a really bad, I think, a bad understanding of this verse, and they think that God pretty much just came in here and wrecked Mary's plans, and that she didn't have a choice. Well, I'm like, have you read the end? <laughs> what does she say? She says, behold, I'm the servant of the Lord. Mary did have a choice, and she chose to submit to God's plan. You know, God can do anything he wants. Would you agree with that? Like if God wanted to use Mary, even if she didn't want to be used, he would, he would have done that. But what you learn when you read in scripture is that God can do anything he wants, but most of the time, God does what he wants through people who want to be used by him. Does that make sense? God does what he wants through people who want to be used by him. And that was the case of Mary. I want to show you this one more time. This is... this. This would be a great ver <laughs> This would be a great verse to get to put on you put in your locker. This would be a great verse to put on the lock screen in your phone. This would be a great you know, verse to tattoo backwards on your forehead so every time you look in the mirror you can see it. Maybe not that. Maybe just this section. Making this your prayer to God. Let it be to me according to your word. Oh that every Christian would say this to God every day. Ultimately, surrender is a choice. So, have you surrendered your life to God? Have you surrendered your eternal life to God? Why did Jesus come? To pay for your sins. Have you trusted in Christ as your Savior? Have you surrendered your eternal life to God? Can you go back and, to, a, to a time and a place where you stopped trusting yourself and you trusted Jesus to save you and give you life that starts now and lasts forever. Have you surrendered your earthly life to God? Some of y'all, God's put a, a plan in your heart. Some of y'all, God has put a burden in your heart to reach certain people or do something with your life, but you've let people poo-poo all over those plans. Have you surrendered your earthly life to God? And you say, God, no matter, what, no matter where, I, where you take me, no matter what it costs, no matter how hard it is, I'm willing to serve you. I'm willing to do whatever you want me to do. Maybe that means changing my plans for college. Maybe that means changing my career plans. Maybe that means changing the person that I'm spending a whole lot of time with. But God, 
my life is yours. If you can't answer yes to those questions, you've already made a decision because no decision is a no decision. So we got a few minutes and I wanna give you some S words. I tried to come up with F words and I couldn't make them work. So if you wanna have the habit of surrender, if you wanna be slaying it like Mary, you need to get some reps with Mary. I was really trying to, and I've been playing around with that. You ever, have anybody played around with the AI image generator? Anybody? I've been trying to, I've been trying, and it's not working, but I'm trying to generate an image of Mary doing like some squats or some deadlifts for this picture up here, like getting reps with Mary. So if any of y'all can do that and send it to me, it'll be on the screen next week when we do our next set of reps. But some of y'all, you need to get reps with Mary. You need to live this life that Mary was living to surrender your life to God. And they're all, they're four S words. The first is surrender courageously. What did the angel say to Mary? He said, don't be afraid. Some of you may be so scared, so afraid. If I give my life to God, what's he gonna do? What's, what, what's he gonna pull me towards? What situation is he gonna get me in? Surrender courageously saying, God, I'm gonna trust you because nothing is impossible for you. Surrender courageously. The next one, serve consistently. Serve consistently. You know what we learn about Mary is she was faithful in the little things. You know, this is where we meet Mary in Luke chapter one. You know the last, the last place we see Mary? Anybody know the last place we see Mary in the Bible? Anybody? At the foot of the cross. She was there when everybody else had left Jesus. She was consistent. She was there. Many scholars believe that many of the things that you read about Jesus doing that she was there, but she was just so inconspicuous and so unnoticed that nobody cared to write it down. She was consistent. Are you serving consistently in your church? I've had somebody come up to me and say, Matt, this, this church is a big church. I bet you have all the youth leaders you need and all the ministries have all the people that they need. And I'm like, you're smoking crack. There's such a need here. There's so many opportunities to get the gospel to our tri-state if more people would serve consistently. Have you plugged in? There's a place for you. The next S word, staying confidently. I promise you, I pro if you start serving God and surrendering God, somebody will be upset. Usually because of conviction in their life, but somebody will be upset. Somebody will go after you. Somebody will think that you're just doing it to make old people happy. Some people are gonna think that you're doing it just to get a lot of like, likes on Instagram. Some people are gonna call you hypocrites because you don't always do it perfectly. And you know what you say when somebody calls you a hypocrite? Say the good news is Jesus saves hypocrites. You wanna be saved too, right? Stand confidently. Don't let people discourage you. I believe that when Satan loses you, you know what I mean by loses you? When you put your trust in Christ and he can no longer... He can no longer wreck your eternal life. He tries to wreck your life here and now by discouraging you. Stand confidently. And finally, submit carefully. Put your yes on the table. Make a decisive and immediate decision. You know what I do when I make a decision that's important? I try to tell somebody about it. You know what I've learned when I tell somebody about a decision I made? That they remember and they kind of make sure I follow through with it. 
you have somebody like that in your life that if you make a decision, say, I'm gonna do this particular thing for God, I'm gonna submit and surrender my life to God here, that you can say, hey, keep picking on Christian. Hey, Christian, can I tell you about something I decided tonight? You need to tell somebody, submit carefully and completely. So, the question is, have I surrendered my life to God? I can't answer that question for you. Maybe God is calling you to place your faith and your trust in him. You've never trusted him. You don't know that you're saved. You don't know that you have eternal life. You know, I know that God is calling some. We're having a baptism night in like three weeks. Maybe you've never, you've put your trust in Christ, but you've never followed him in believer's baptism. That is the first command that Jesus gives us as believers is to follow him in baptism. Maybe tonight your surrender means you need to find a leader and say, I'd like to talk to you more about baptism. Or maybe you find that leader and just say, put me on the schedule. I'm ready. Maybe God is calling you to do something with the rest of your life and you've been putting it off too long and you need to kind of draw a line in the sand and say, this is what God's called me to do. Hater's gonna hate, 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 but I'm just gonna shake, shake, shake. And I'm gonna follow Jesus no matter what. So let's pray and then we'll get out of here. God, thank you so much for Mary and the example that she sets. You're the hero of this story. Jesus is the hero of the story. He's the one that lived a perfect life and died that terrible death so that we could have eternal life. But God, you've given us this great example to follow in Mary. Uh, so God, I pray that surrender will be something that every day we wake up and we say, let it be to me according to your word. I'm the servant of the Lord. God, I pray for students here tonight. I know there are some who are really struggling with knowing whether or not they're saved and they've put their faith and trust in you. God, I pray that before they leave tonight, they'll find a leader um, who can walk them through how to know for sure that they have eternal life. God, I pray for those who are, I know, I know we have some, they know they need to be baptized, a little nervous about it. God, I pray that they will surrender to you in this area. Find a leader and get on the schedule. God, I pray for people who are struggling with what you might be calling them to do with the rest of their life. God, I pray that you'll make it crystal clear what you've called them to do and you'll give them the courage. You'll give them the courage to surrender their future to you. God, I pray that as we leave, that you'll be with us. We thank you for this Christmas season that we get to celebrate your birth. And I pray that you'll give us moments to just stop and think about what a wonder it is that you became one of us so you could die in our place. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening to the Refuel podcast. If you have any questions or would like to review the notes from this podcast, be sure to download the Refuel app from the App Store on any mobile device.